Welcome to iForo. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to episode 74 of iForo. And every time, we just talked about this, but every time I watch that trailer, like just watching us change as the year goes on it's just it's it's adorable just to watch us grow into this podcast <laughs> uh, for those of you who have only uh listened to us this is kyle by the way kyle hi uh back for another episode matt of course the host extraordinaire uh back for a two-man show this week just yes. myself and matthew mm-hmm. uh i know you probably don't like when i call you matthew that's why i do it that's fine. um but for those of you who don't uh enjoy our beautiful faces on the youtube or the twitch which we are now live on for those of you who are not watching live um uh, we we were especially talking about uh, how matt has grown up to the beard the uh, the, (laughs) excuse me grown up to the beard that i have yes uh if you haven't watched um though if you go back and watch from the beginning i'm the one with the big beard if you watch now uh, Matt is the one with the big red beard. I'm the one with the big brown yeah. beard. So it's there's the a difference. There's like it's like no, the yin yeah. and yang. You have to like someone's <laughs> got to keep the balance on the other side of the scale. So. Matt's looks looks well kept. He does things with his hair. He looks nice. I'm dealing with a breakout or lighting, and I look like I'm homeless. Hey, so that's, that's if you guys fine. are looking you later. Know, that's what you got. A, you got a you got a face for radio. That's all. That's all. Yes, yeah, I've been telling you guys that's, that's episode four. I think so. We'll go with that still. That's why we're doing the podcast. Yes, I was yeah. kind of disappointed when when they wanted to go on YouTube, but I was like, I guess you guys are handsome enough. We'll make it work. You know, just sometimes you got to take it live, and you got to get that engagement going, and it's a good time. So you know, it, it is what it is, and we we all have our moments, but. Um, this is a tech podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, a, yeah, we'll get to fashion later. That's our other yeah. podcast coming out in uh, early 2019. Fashion for that's for right. bearded men it is. coming soon. That's my. That's the only fashion that matters for me. But um, <laughs> but yeah. So um, outside of the world of fashion, there's a lot that's happened lately in the past week, and um, I do want to just have a huge thank you to our listeners who. Uh, who download every week, despite the fact that we've been so irregular with our episodes lately. Um, real life has gotten in the way of the podcast. Um, and I just wanted to kind of just say thank you for people who just kind of are sticking through it and waiting for us to get back to that regular schedule again. So, um, but yeah, without further ado, let's jump straight into it. Wait, uh, before you do. Yes. That noise you guys just heard is a dog. It is. So you know. Yeah, it's Liza. I took her collar off, so she's kind of stealthy tonight. So. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. I, no. I just got to point out that every time there's a dog, I need to let someone know. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I like having you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> someone has to do that. But, um, but yeah, so um, something that someone doesn't have to do and the most painful segue possible is um, – <laughs> throttle skype <laughs> so <laughs> definitely don't have to do that no. no sprint has been accused of throttling skype lately um and this was a study that was um based on more than a hundred thousand customers using this uh smartphone app i believe it's called wehe or wehe it's w-e-h-e and I, for the life of me, I, when I was building the show notes, I could not find the proper pronunciation for this app. So I apologize to the developer if I am not getting the name right. But just searching W-E-H-E on Android and iOS will get you the app and it's free. Um, so 
it was using aggregated information from those tests and they were able to find out that Skype um, was being throttled by only Sprint. It was the only one that was throttling uh, Skype, which was according to the study. Um, the throttling was detected in 34% of 1,968 full tests wow. defined as those in which a user ran two tests in a row conducted between January 18th and October 15th and happening regularly spread geographically across the U.S. Android phone users were more affected than iPhone users. So there's definitely strong evidence of throttling there. Um, and this kind of adds to that whole net neutrality conversation that we've had throughout the history of this podcast, as well as a couple other just talking points in general, because this is not only is it throttling of an application on a service provider, but it's a communications company throttling an internet based communications company. So like there seems to be some kind of weird anti-competition thing going on in the mix as well as just a, a broader conversation that we could have about net neutrality and throttling of phones and or communications etc so i'd be curious to see if it's happening in other similar apps uh, whether you're getting things like this in slack whether it's also happening for microsoft teams skype for business things of that nature yeah. which i think are probably more widespread uh excuse me have more wise widespread usage than uh traditional skype just due to the fact that they're usually linked to businesses and business accounts yeah um it's it, it's I don't know how to feel about it because you're right where we where we could get into a broader conversation about like you said a, a telecom company throttling another telecom company, but they're not in direct competition with that company either. And it's it, yes, correct. I mean they do provide some of the, some similar services. Skype does have a voice call option that you can use anywhere. It's just odd that Sprint is the only one. It's not like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, everyone feels threatened by Microsoft and Skype as if they're planning on expanding it, which I believe is the opposite of, of what they're doing. Yeah. And it, it, it's odd that who thought to do this in the first place? <laughs> who was worried that Skype was being throttled? And why on earth is Sprint throttling? Like, that's the, the most confusing. The, the next most confusing thing in the whole article is why someone decided to say that. Uh, Android phone users were more affected than owners of Apple Inc.'s iPhones, as if we didn't know what the iPhone was yeah. or who made it. But, That's what leads me to like, think it's deliberate. Yeah, it has to be. It has, yeah. So it's, but I, it's odd that I don't understand. Like, usually we have some sort of idea, like, this seems like this situation or this seems like they could be going for this. I, I'm at a loss. I don't know what Sprint's purpose of, of throttling the regular skype that no one uses as a <laughs> as a chat feature except for like us <laughs> yeah yeah that's it yeah no I, I i do know that there are some uh people who do rely on skype there is and that this could be and i don't think there's any information as to whether this is just purely desktop skype versus the windows app skype or just anything running over a sprint network maybe if you were using a hotspot um or if it's uh, more of a broad throttling of Skype. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that it's being, the fact that it's a, a telecom company being throttled on, a, a throttling a company that has that is another communications company that relies on the internet from other telephone companies is troubling in that I feel like that's 
not something that they should really be able to do in any way. Like, I feel like that's, that, that is a, a huge breach of, um, just interest and just antitrust. And it can, if this goes any further or if it's become, if it's more of a deeply rooted issue, then I, I could see this becoming a lot more of a problem for Sprint as this becomes more wide known. But yeah, um, people who were on the app are reporting substantially reduced video quality across Sprint networks during the periods of throttling. So I would imagine that some people, whether they're doing like a podcast from Skype or uh, any kind of video conferencing, like just calling your family over Skype, because some people may not all have FaceTime or any kind of way to communicate via a different application. Uh, it's just, it's troubling to me that um, Sprint would be throttling Skype in the way that it is. Um, and I was testing the app a little bit just before the show. Um, and it, I think Skype currently is the only communications application that its tests currently support. Other applications are the NBC Sports application. You have Netflix, there's YouTube, um, Vimeo, and just mostly video streaming services. Uh, nothing big like Twitch or Slack, like you were saying earlier. Um, so it's it seems to only really be with Skype. I tested it myself with YouTube and Netflix on T-Mobile, and I was it reported that it was not being throttled, which is good. I'm happy to report that T-Mobile is not throttling. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's it's really interesting to see that um, this kind of information is not only being reported, but it's being done in open scientific research, crowdsourced from applications on the iOS and Google Play stores. I do find it, it kind of curious that uh, the person who led the research what was his name. Um, let me give him credit here. Um, uh, David, uh, how, how would you pronounce his name? David Schaff, Schaffnes, Schaffnes, Schaffnes. I apologize. I know that I screwed it up, David. Um, it, apparently, uh, there was a big issue at the end of last year when they were trying to get the app published. Mm -hmm. uh, where Apple had originally rejected it, and then after public outcry, they approved and published the app on the uh, on the App Store. The uh, they are also part of the research group, so the people that helped research and create the app and develop the app, they're also part of a research group uh, that uh, realized that some of the companies, and I believe we talked about this last year on the podcast, some big companies, Verizon, AT and T, etc. We're also throttling uh, YouTube and Netflix last year, yep. and they kind of became uh, famous for that reason or infamous if you're on the other end. But uh, it's it's cool to see, I mean, that that these people are staying at it. They didn't get overnight celebrity and just go, okay, great, cool. Now people download our app and people know who we are. It, it's a year later. They're still testing for, for new things and new findings and whatever they can to kind of call companies out for doing things behind the scenes that the typical consumer wouldn't even think of. Yep. You know, if, if I'm if I'm watching a video on my phone, I'm not thinking like, I wonder if someone's throttling this. I usually get better reception here. My thought is, well, whatever, reception sucks. It was probably like wind or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even think about it. But to see people out here defending the things that people don't even know that they need defending is um, is always, in my mind, a, 
a positive to yeah. know that you have those people out there. Sometimes it does pay to assume it's not your fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it seems like, like you mentioned the outcry against Apple removing <laughs> the application from the App Store briefly. It, it seems like that has indirectly helped this research just because through its banning of the App Store, it gained a lot of popularity. And I think as a result of that, gained tens of thousands of new testers. Um, and it's it's really refreshing to see an app like this, too, because when I was installing it, um, it gives you a bunch of pop-ups and information up front telling you what it does, how it does it, um, what information it collects, and when you uninstall, that it opts out all of your information right then and there on the spot. So it's like nice to know that this is a well-conducted research. The app looks a bit dated, um, but I kind of expect that with these types of quickly thrown together um, research based applications. I'm not yeah, expecting like a Facebook level of UI. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're not trying to be super fancy. They're, they're there for one purpose. Yep. It's there to do its job and do its job in a way that gets them the data that they need. So it's, it's something that is uh, refreshing. And uh, I was looking into how it works and the way that it works is that it looks for like, so, so, for example, to kind of walk back, whenever you're watching one of those YouTube videos or streaming something from Netflix, that uh, the data that you're sending from your phone has a certain shape to it, which an ISP can tell that that shape is Netflix coming from your phone or yeah. that uh, that shape is YouTube. And what this does is it um, mir it sends that shape pattern based off of whatever application you're currently testing to your um to your mobile carrier and this app will actually tell you if you're on wi-fi to restart the application um and run the test again because you're on wi-fi which may not be reliable um and then when it goes to send that packet it sends it and then records the speed compares it against results on its server and then it will send it again but it takes the shape and it mixes the signals inside of the shape so it's not possible for the ISP to tell that this is specifically Netflix. It's just a generic video streaming shape coming through the network that has the same network footprint and size as say Netflix. And if that comes through faster than the one that's explicitly defined as Netflix, then the server can kind of understand that there's something a little bit fishy going on there. So for anybody looking for like a really high level breakdown of how this application can determine if someone's throttling you that's the best explanation that i'm able to come up with in the last hour no that's um, uh yeah i mean that's that's a better detail than i could have given so. Yeah, so it's 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 really interesting to like read the paperwork on how this is and like i would love to talk to this guy at some point just to like understand um the research itself and see if there's any ways that like this research can have more of a footing in in, this, in the community to see if there's a way to get more people onto this because it's it's a really good cause like you're saying like the fact that people were worried about this and have open sourced and crowd sourced research around this is both fascinating and beneficial to the consumer to have this information published in the open for anybody to check so it kind of lets you know ahead of time the reason why they did this was so consumers could make a more intelligent decision when selecting a mobile provider um so that way they could pick one that's more fair than the others. And and again, it, it goes back to that. We have white knights out there. We have people who are defending the things that we didn't even know that we needed 
defending on it. It's good to see that in a, uh, what's the word I'm trying to use? A time period or an era of self-involvement and self-indulgence and yep. and social media being what it is and, and everything about it being me, me, me. Look at what I did. Look what I can do. Look what I have done. Look where I have been. That there's people out there who are just like, I'm going to help you make better decisions instead of worrying about me. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, like a lot of people don't even know that this is a problem with ISPs and with phone providers. So having this information is just one extra tool that a consumer has at making a decision in where they put their money because that is ultimately the way that you're going to get these companies to change their policies with your wallet so and it sounds like a cheap plug and it sounds like like i'm just gas bagging here but uh, these are things that i wouldn't know if i didn't get involved with you guys and do the research and we talk about these things on a weekly basis Mm -hmm. so for the people who are listening if you're not doing the research i mean keep listening and if you and you might want to do a little bit of research. You don't even have to do that ton that much if you're listening to us, but it's a good, it's a good starting point. You can get these ideas from here and continue to, to research on your own and look about or look around for things that might turn you away from somebody who, whether we realize it or not, is treating us unfairly. Consider us the white knights of the radio waves. <laughs> <laughs> We're the white knights for the white knights. That's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there is some other stuff that did happen this week that uh, I feel like we should move into and talk about. Um, one of the big things, and it's a shame that Irvin wasn't here to talk about this because I'd be curious to hear his perspective on it, was um, the official naming of the new chair of Tesla. So, And by chair, I'm not talking about just some random office furniture. I'm talking about the chair of the board, the person who is going to take over the uh, primary chair board position that Elon Musk once held. Um, and she is named Robin Denholm. So um, it's interesting to see this choice. Um, for those of you who aren't aware who Robin Denholm is, uh, she was the CFO of Telstra, which was an Australian telecom giant. Um, she She's going to be leaving that role in six months to take over as chair of the board for the company. Um, It's important to note that she has been on this board of Tesla since 2014. So she is familiar with the board members. She's been a part of the board already. It's an internal kind of move to promote her to chair of the board. So it's a very interesting move from Tesla because she's arguably one of the more boring members of his board. Because... (laughs) And I think that's, I think, but I think that's a good thing though, because I agree when you look at some of the other people, like Elon's brother is on the board of yeah, we don't his company. That. <laughs> that would have been a massive conflict and in interest. I think if he had just promoted his brother to yes. chairman of the board, um, the other ones I'm not super familiar with, but, uh, she is one of the furthest removed from Elon's, I would, if you want to call it a circle of, of like influence, I guess she's the most removed member of that board from that group. So, um, which is a good thing. Cause I think Tesla needs that. I think Tesla needs a, something like a stopgap between the craziness that is Elon's Twitter account at three in the morning and the company's shares and the company's ability to operate 
at a profit. So I, I think this is a good move. I'm I'm happy with this. Choice. I mean, you're bringing in someone who's worked with successful companies. Mm -hmm. She's had high, uh, high ranking roles. She's been CFO of of companies, COO of companies. She clearly knows business well. She knows tech well. Which Tesla, even though it is a car company first and foremost, their biggest thing that separates them from other cars, in my opinion, is their tech, and I think mm -hmm. that's most people's opinion. But the one thing that I that it, people this could get you even more excited about her is that she did spend seven years working for um, Toyota of Australia. Right. And it, so it's not like she comes from just a tech background or just a telecom background. Um, she used to work for Juniper network. She was CFO there, some microsystems, a, a lot of tech background, but she also spent seven years working in the auto industry. And like mm -hmm. you said, she's more boring. It's because she's business. And to me, like you said, if, if you need a new, not a new face, but if you need a new leader, you know, Elon will still always be associated with the company. He'll still always be a face of the company. But if you need a new leader to get you from the little bit of weirdness that we had back on the straight and narrow and back to impressing people with the business model mm -hmm. and not distract us with, like you said, middle of the night tweets from Elon mm -hmm. and smoking weed on Joe Rogan's <laughs> podcast, like... Yeah. This is the right choice, in my opinion. Like it you is. said, there's there's a lot of not that they wouldn't be good choices, also, but there's a lot of if you think that Elon is a question mark based on activity, a lot of his board falls into that category. Yeah, like you said, boring is best in this scenario. You picked the person who, in my, it, I don't know the background of every single person on the board, but you're picking someone who has a great mix of the two industries that you're currently in. And she's going to keep her mouth shut and keep her face out of the spotlight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think this is kind of very similar of a move that, and not for the same reasons, of course, similar move when Uber took out their CEO, um, whose name is escaping me, which is weird because we said his name so many times, from replacing him with Dara Kosmashahi, a much more structured and organized um, CEO of the company. This is, this is for the board, so it's a bit different, but... Like, like we were saying, when you look at a hand-picked board from Elon Musk, picking her seems to be the most logical choice that you could make when looking at a list of people hand-picked by Elon Musk and one of them is his brother. So Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think one of the big things is like not only has she, has she worked in these two industries, Musk himself has said that she is one of the reasons we've become profitable in the last four years. She's one of the big reasons. She was a senior financial manager when she was with Toyota. So if, when you're talking about someone like you, you mentioned it before I did. If you're talking about someone to make you money, it, this is the right. I mean, this is again, this is the person you want yep. out of the, the choices that were obvious, the choices in house. This was the right choice. And I, I would be shocked if if Irvin were to disagree with us. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I, I think also kind of going back on her experience, not only having that experience in the auto industry, um, she also has experience directly in Silicon Valley. So she understands the tech and she understands just how that whole culture behaves and operates. And she, I think, would serve better for anticipating those decisions and being able to steer the board towards making more intelligent financial decisions in the rapidly growing and evolving world that is Silicon Valley, because like you're saying, Tesla is as much an auto company as it is a tech company, especially with how 
how they are, how their vehicles are released, how, um, how people look at the company in general, like people view these cars as devices because it's basically just as smart, if not smarter than your cell phone and laptop that's in your house. Um, exactly. And like this, this may be disappointing to people who were looking for someone like a Larry Ellison or a Sheryl Sandberg or something like that. But I think this is like, we're saying this is the smart choice. And I think, yeah, and I, you really can't go wrong with this. It's a safe, it's a safe choice and that's important. I think that's what they need. Yes. Yes. You can still have Elon being Elon and you can still have him being who he is, but now the person in charge, the person who has to silence him is the person who may very well have been, have been the best choice all along. If yep. that makes any sense. Yep. turns out the best member of his board was the one that was already there the whole time. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, so that was something... kudos to them for, for having, having the vision to be like, you know what, let's, we're not going to pivot entirely. We're not taking a whole different direction because there wasn't a meltdown. Nothing crazy happened. We're not like saving face. He did have an issue. He had to step down and we're going to make the smart decision to move forward instead of like a, Oh, you thought that was crazy. Here's up the Joe. Mm-hmm. And then just like Joe is like coming out with a beer gut and like, his chest hair sticking out of the top and he's just chugging a beer like, yeah, Tesla! <laughs> yeah. like they went with the smart decision. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, there's, I wish we could expand on it more because our Tesla topics usually last a long time, but there's not much more to say. She yeah. knows tech, she knows business, she knows how to lead and she knows finance. And those are the things you need in a leader yep. in the tech auto and finance world. Yeah, And it's, it's also important to note that, musk is still remaining as ceo of tesla so he still holds his position as the head of the company this is the chairman of the board so it's a little bit more removed from the day-to-day of the company but it's good to know that at the helm at the board there's someone who's um, going to have its best interests in mind and it seems like he respects her. It seems like he had input. It's I don't I don't think it was I mean, a he picked her at first for the board. That's so. what I mean. Yeah. I don't think it was like the other board members going like, listen, Elon, like yeah. we're gonna go with her. You gotta relax. Like he's fully supporting. He didn't come out apparently and and say like, oh, she was my number one. Sh-. But like mm-hmm. when asked for a comment, he was like, she is great for the job. Yep. The and here's why. And yep. it's all the reasons we. Hopefully, this is the end of Tesla being regarded as one of, or as the most shorted company in history. And maybe this is like a new era that comes forward of profitability for Tesla for its shareholders. Who knows? I'm, I'm sure right. that the stock market will react positively to this if it hasn't already. Um, so, yeah. Could see big things, man. Could mm-hmm. see big things. They changed, they have changed the game. We've talked about it. They changed the auto game already and now they have someone who's probably uh uh, better suited in that role at the helm it's Mm -hmm. it's it it could potentially be a game changer for the for the better for them yep yeah and And it and it all happened over a tweet (laughs) (laughs) yeah for for anybody who uh, isn't familiar with the whole background this the whole reason why he stepped down as chairman of the board was because of a tweet that he had where he said that he had uh, funding secured to go private and he was going to do that once the company reached $420 a share um, and it kind of artificially inflated the cost of his shares and then after they realized that he didn't have that money the shares went down and he got in some trouble with the SEC 
and yeah they didn't like him very much yeah they this was the settlement for um for that kind of backlash he had to step down as chairman and he brought in um he brought in robin to take over. wasn't it like a 20 million dollar fine to something crazy like that something like that yeah it was, it was some was, outrageous number where just it was crazy like it makes me just cry every time i read it <laughs> I and mean, it's probably peanuts to somebody like elon but um yeah but it's like to the everyday person yeah it's a lot of money yeah yeah yep taxing and fines on a whole I new just, level i don't need to i don't even want to think about that kind of money well it's okay because we don't have to think about that because what we can think about is google maps new update i was gonna transition <laughs> i was gonna transition um saying that you don't have to worry about um tesla crashing because you can now report it on google maps or something like that ah, i ruined it for you yeah, i'm it's sorry okay. it's fine no that was a good conversation though. that would have been better yeah <laughs> so my bad man um, no it's all good this is another big topic that's uh come out over the last couple of days um google maps is now adding collision and speed trap reporting in its latest test version of its application for android so Anybody who is currently downloading the most recent versions of Google Maps uh, on Android, keep an eye out for potential features where you can have a little button very similar to a very popular app also owned by Google, where you can report crashes and speed traps and information like that. Um, so it looks like this is the first step in a move to integrate some of the more popular features from Waze into Google Maps. I'm kind of surprised it took this long. If I'm not, me too. Uh, if, if, yeah, if I'm not gonna lie here, it's 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 funny to me that people compare the two so often, and then I'm like, yeah, but they're owned by the same people, right? And then I realize like how much of a difference those immediate inputs really can make on your on your day it's i mean if an accident happens on 76 and i'm gonna drive down to the stadiums to go work a game or go to a game i know all the alternate routes but nine times out of ten your best route's going to be 76 mm -hmm. even if you hit that traffic you're going to hit a little bit of traffic around the zoo no matter what it's mm -hmm. just going to happen and uh, sorry for people who aren't from philadelphia who are listening to this but when you get to the zoo <laughs> There's going to be traffic every single time. It's a zoo around the zoo. It's basically, yeah. There, it's it's always a zoo at the zoo. And <laughs> when you <laughs> the Philadelphia Zoo, when you're at a zoo, it's a zoo. <laughs> That's their catchphrase officially. <laughs> um, but like, I just it, it's it's nice to have that. Like, I usually use Google Maps, and then even though I know that they're owned by the same people, I've always used Google Maps. And then my dad was like, "Just use Waze. Just use it." I'm like, Dad, it's the same company. And he's like, dude, I use it all the time. And then I use it, and boom. I'm, I I avoid it. I was like, ah, traffic looks a little bit worse, but it's traffic. That's, that yeah. happens at this time all the time. And I saved 20 minutes and got there on time instead of being late. It was it like mm -hmm. it, the fact that, it, that they've owned this company for this long, the reason that they bought it is because of the popularity. The reason it was popular is because of these real-time reporting things, and it's taken them – five years to start to integrate it right yeah it's the just... fact that they bought this back in 2013 and haven't made like any real steps like they they share traffic data across both applications but the real-time reporting and crowdsourced data that comes from not only just how heavy the traffic is in certain areas but why that traffic is heavy 
is what makes Waze arguably the better navigation choice. And seeing some of the two more critical things that can factor into your commute length, whether it's speed traps or a um, or a crash that happened on that road, it makes it, it like only makes sense to move this into Google Maps. And um, I wonder if um, seeing this combined with many other consolidations that seem to be happening across other Google applications, I wonder if this is Google finally admitting that it does have too many applications that do the same thing and they're trying to consolidate into one suite of apps that are tailor purposed for one specific thing like one messaging app one maps application one email client stuff like that just making sure that there isn't like five choices from the same company because like you were saying when you're when they're both owned by the same company you're immediately gonna be like oh okay it's the same thing it's whatever they're just gonna share exactly the best parts of both and it's gonna be the same application but it's not the case because way, I mean, it's, way it's, more data. It's similar to what we talked about earlier with Skype. It's mm -hmm. there's Skype and Skype for business and Microsoft teams and like another thing. And they're all owned by Microsoft Yep. and they could all be one app, but they're four apps instead. Yep. And I'm like, I'm shocked when maps, the fact that I'm like astounded when Google maps is faster than Waze is testament to how good Waze is as an application. Yeah, like, but oh, they use the same data. I know. But well, it's one the, just has the options that you bought it for. Yeah. And then you chose to leave those out entirely for five years of the one that has your name on it. Yeah. Yep. What? Yeah, right. And, and like, just rub the dust off and be like, Oh, I'm sorry. I think that's we what didn't 2018 realize. has been for Google so far. I think that's what the <laughs> yeah, it's second. Kind of what it is. Because we have this information. Um, there was rumors earlier this summer that Google is eventually going to be closing out Allo, or rumors that it may be sunsetting Allo at some point in the in the next year or two, um, and moving some of its more commonly used features over to Android Messages. And we've seen kind of hints of that. Uh, with like now Android messages has that auto reply where you can pick from the three answers and it will automatically text that out for you. Basically just like an AI response, kind of like how Skype does. And like I was saying earlier, Allo. Um, later in the summer, we saw news that in April, Google will no longer offer inbox, which was mine and Irvin's most precious and prized email client. So now I'm forced to get used to some other like annoying i'm trying gmail right now and it's it's a struggle oh, man but it's not too bad <laughs> inbox is just whatever that much will you do it's just that much better because it's come it's, back down here with the rest of us schlebs yeah <laughs> and slugs just well, get back down to the real world Irvin is going to be using inbox until the bitter end in april until they shut this he's going to be in there when the lights turn off <laughs> so <laughs> um but I, i'm trying my best to find a good email client substitute because the whether it's the gmail for android devices or the stock mail application for ios neither of them really have enough features right now that's compelling enough for me um, gmail just had an update recently where they offer similar bundling uh, to how inbox did with like emails just like grouping them into like updates and promos and purchases and stuff like that which is helpful um, but it's neither of them are quite to where inbox was 
and um, this is kind of tying this back into maps is I wonder if maps is now going to go the same way now that we're seeing tests of features from Waze being moved slowly over into Google Maps. So I, I would think it would be, I mean, you'd think that they would just eventually just integrate all the things that they feel work well for Maps, or excuse me, from Waze and then just kill it off. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that. And I'd, I'd imagine there's backlash too that would happen from that, but there would have to be strong communication that um, this would be happening and that Google Maps would be retaining the most favorite and widely used features of Waze. Um, yeah, for sure. You have to ensure that people are on board first. I mean, obviously not everybody has to be, but like you got to make sure that people understand why you're getting rid of the thing that they use to get around every minute of every day. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it makes sense that um, like, cause we are seeing new features being added to Google maps all the time. Like there was a, a place that was recent or there was a feature recently added called um, group planning, which was just added to um, the maps feature, which is when you found places to go, you just have to press and hold down a short list. Um, and once you're satisfied, you can share the entire list of, um, of places and vote on where to go in maps. So you can like share, like, wow. here's, a, here's a list of restaurants. Like, where do you guys want to go today? And just send them the list of restaurants and then people can vote for the most, for the one that they all want to go to. So like, we're seeing features moving into maps um, and those features are like the group planning in particular is um, it has, it's been rolling out since September. So I'm not sure how widespread it is just yet, but it's something that is definitely a part of more features. So I wonder how many more features we're going to see being added to maps. Cause it looks like it's getting a lot more attention than it's had in the past couple of years. I'm just hoping that um, Google will smarten up. They'll smarten up here. They'll take their maps. And as a frequent passenger in vehicles, I feel like this is a necessity. Um, they will uh, make a partnership with Nintendo and uh, merge with Pokemon Go. So I can do both Pokemon Go <laughs> and my duties as the passenger, giving you the directions at the same time. That would be nice. Be I need to nice. know that... 500 feet, you can make a right, but in 450 feet, we get in that pokey stop, son. We're going to get it. <laughs> That's also I'm just the one thing that, that boy all this is, day. This is a whole nother thing, but the one thing that annoys me about <laughs> Pokemon Go is that they don't use Google Maps. That's the annoying thing. They use their own, like, whatever GPS thing, which is so annoying, but... There's, I mean, one, uh, there's one strip of uh, road between uh, work and my house um, that I have uh, a friend of ours had I, my car was in the shop friend of ours drove uh, me to and from work the one day and uh, I was checking and I realized that it just doesn't have the road there at all it's a major road it's yeah. Ridge Pike it's one of the most major roads in our area <laughs> and there's just a huge stretch of it that just isn't there on Pokemon Go. <laughs> it's just, you can see right in front of you where the rest of the road and all the Pokestops and gyms are, oh but God. it's just nothing between where you are and there. That's For awful. like a thousand feet. Oh it's God. very surprising. <laughs> I think I might have seen that stretch of road. In, yeah, in all of a sudden you're just like, what? Yeah, you're just like, what? There's stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that would be nice. But um, 
one thing that's important to note is that there is going kind of going back to google maps is that with this uh feature that's for the crash reporting and for speed traps um you can't report pokemon yet that's the number one thing the number two thing is that this is not officially announced as to whether it's going to be rolled out widely or if it's just them kind of dipping their feet in the water with these kinds of features um but it's it's just the the fact that it's all coming together at one time and it's starting to come from multiple applications now just kind of has my attention so it's it would be great i would love to see google consolidate because i've been complaining about google's fragmentation and like multi applications for a long time now so finally seeing them fix it would be great um but yeah i agree yeah um also this week something else samsung appears to be at a complete loss with what to do with its design team (laughs) um and are now shotgunning ideas out left and right so um i don't know if you've had a chance to watch like the video of this i think they put a i just watched yeah (laughs) they announced a folding smartphone which is um it's a cool idea when you think about it, but when you begin to consider the practical applications of something like this, it begins to be a little bit iffy at best. Um, well, I look at it like, to me, if it's done well, it's one step closer to Iron Man, and that's what we all want. We all want to be Iron Man, and it's one step closer to that. I, I mean, not the suit. This, If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. But like he just picks up an invisible thing and then kind of goes whoop and then it's just big and then he goes whoop whoop and then he like throws it he just throws it into nothing and it just becomes eight computer screens. Yeah, it's like one step closer to that. But it, it what it when you see it, it kind of feels like they were in a boardroom. They're like, dude, we need something. The thing is tomorrow. And then they just said just they started yelling stuff out. <laughs> yeah. Like, what if we made it three times bigger than a tablet? Who wants that? I don't know. What if we folded it? Like a flip phone? Yeah, but, like, there's screens everywhere. Johnson, you win. Johnson, give him the award. Let's just go. Guys, wrap it up. That's kind of what it feels like to me. Sorry if I'm yelling. No, it's fine. The way that they framed this was really weird, too. Like, I I was very confused. They didn't want to show you it while showing it to you? Yeah. The whole sequence was, like, 45 seconds long. I don't know how else Um, to explain it they the guy like was very like they they deliberately like dimmed all the lights to make him look silhouetted and mysterious and he was just like he was like i i can't i i just dis- we've disguised the elements of the design to keep this the the secrets secret and he would get in a lot of trouble if he showed you more of besides from him just unfolding the phone so like i don't know what the point in showing this to us yet is if there's so many secrets that they can't talk about um like from like pretty like he literally could have just shown us a pair of lcds with images on it yep. like it may have would have been the exact same probably doesn't even work like if you tapped any of those buttons like i don't think it would work to any major capacity on most of those applications are probably just images and the only one that would work is the app drawer or something like that like it's a very it's a harsh prototype to put it nicely. Yeah, it's... That's putting it nicely. Again, so. I mean, cool idea in theory, but in practice and how well was it done? I mean, that it sounds stupid because that's how everything works, but 
like what who was begging for this Not who was like dude if my two devices that are kind of close anyway were the same yeah <laughs> game changer right what if i had a phone and when i unfold it it becomes a whole tablet so i can play yeah. candy crush on the big screen and talk to my cousins on the small screen <laughs> to be to be fair it's 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 kind of like the smartphone for old people. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it still yeah. fits in your pocket. It's the phone. And you'll people. be able to see it. It's the phone for people who couldn't let go of flip phones. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's what for it is. old people and my 38-year-old brother who only got a smartphone because his company paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> it. Those two groups of people. Anyone 60 plus and one 30-year-old. 38 year old man from philadelphia yeah um it's just it's so weird because like we have this i, I have so many questions just with samsung alone but then google also the same day in the morning announces in android that they're going to be adding support for foldable displays so like it's coming at me from multiple sides like i didn't know that foldable displays were this important to the point where google would need to incorporate it into android i didn't think there would be a need for it but it seems like just completely out of left field. Everyone's like folding displays. Like, this, go ahead. Sorry, I said just when we're getting up, like just when the dust is settling from the notch era of smartphones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's got to be like, I don't know. It almost feels like someone heard when what was it the iPhone was like folding in people's pockets, or was that one of the galaxies? Oh yeah, it was like, it was like breaking in yeah. people's pockets, and and they were using the term folding all the time. And someone had to be like, "Yeah, what if we made that real though? What if it did it intentionally?" They were like, yeah, yo, shh, yo, guys, shh, 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 shh. <laughs> what if we made the phone fold on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> It's like that, to me, that's got to be like how this whole thing started. And then, and then just like, thunderous one, one of those dudes who was in that room, like left and went to a new company and was like, guys, 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 I have the in. We yeah. got to beat them to the punch. Foldable phones. I'm telling you. <laughs> Samsung <laughs> is notorious for experimenting with ridiculous, crazy phone concepts. They've released, I think they earlier this year, they, had plans to announce a smartphone that had two screens, kind of opened like a little passport type thing. Um, oh, they've done... flick, it, flick it up sideways at like the sidekick. Right, that, yeah. Just... There's been phone prototypes of phones that have a display on the front and the back of the smartphone. So that way, like, some of them can have, like, living back, like, textures almost on the phone, like, to have a different look all the time. Like, it's... It's just like one more prototype that's come out in like this world of people trying to find the next big thing with phones. Because yeah, like Samsung when, does always seem to be like near the front, like guys, we got this. I mean, they they're the ones who hailed in the first phablet, and people called them crazy years ago. <laughs> when the when the first Galaxy Note came out, that phone yeah. was it was it's weird to say because that phone was as big as like the smaller phones that we have today. But back then, like a five and a half inch screen was massive because yeah. you had phones that only had four inch screens back then. And some of them even had even smaller displays. Like people had flip phones with like two and a half inch screens or three inch screens. Or something. It's funny how when they first started pushing the bar on how 
large the screen, how much surface area of the device itself the screen was going to take up. Yeah. And I remember thinking at the time, guys, I've had this iPhone 4S, no complaints. Why do you care if there's an extra little sliver around the end? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or and, like, why do people? And then I got a bigger phone and I was like, how did I live with the old yeah. one? Yeah. This is yeah. insane. So like over the years, people have found the sweet spots for the, and there's phones of every size. Now you can, it, you're hard pressed to find a smartphone that is not the right size for you. If you walk into any store, you can find a phone that will feel nice to you and it will work the way you want it to work. We're in arguably, I think the best period in smartphones that we've been in arguably since the very beginning. Like it's, it's one of the, you really can't go wrong picking almost any phone from almost any provider. Um, LG excluded, but that's a personal opinion. But, um, (laughs) but like when you look at, when you look at phones like this, like, cause we, like, we're, like we were talking about, like they, people push the envelope on how big you can make a phone. We saw phones that came out that have six and a half inch displays seven inch displays and we've kind of figured out the sweet spot there was this, a phone that samsung made called the galaxy mega a while ago i forget how i forget what year that phone came out in but, i don't even know about this phone um it had a six and a half inch display but it had this a, a similar like screen footprint to like what an older iphone would have had so it had a display, but also it had all this extra bezel after it. So it oh, looked yeah. like a tablet. Jesus. It was a massive phone. But like <laughs> we've figured out kind of the sweet spot with how phones should look. And um, now it seems like all of these phone manufacturers are kind of pushing the envelope in what the next big thing is in phones. I have a question. This is it's on topic, but it's not on the foldable nightmare we saw <laughs> um, is the tablet industry dying slowly uh, is it going away like i don't see hype around yeah. ipad like i did a year and a half two years ago i think the- i don't see hype around the galaxy tab like i used to i right. feel like people have they they saw the tablet and people were excited about it and then people have started to realize that my phone is just as good as my tablet and now that it's bigger it's almost close Mm -hmm. and any additions to a tablet that you could add to make it closer to a laptop just makes you get a laptop instead so i feel like i kind of felt that the tablet was a an odd place to live in any way because of the two alternatives but when they started adding in features i was like oh you know the artist on the go and you have your touch screen you have your pen you have this and it seems more official and all that stuff but really, when it comes down to it, it's it's a cross between the two devices that everybody already has. Yeah. it's Is there an outcry for it anymore, really? I would say for tablets, if I had to like put my opinion in on this, it's that it's kind of found that it's not necessarily fading out of relevancy so much as it is finding its market, I think. Um, so it's because- basically... Finding its niche, finding the people yeah. who, for whatever reason, need that size, that capability it's versus the, a smaller thing, but not right. as much as a, ta- a computer. And It's for the professional that needs a large form factor mobile display, but doesn't need the power that comes with a full desktop or laptop. So 
uh, for example, like you're saying, the creatives, the people who may not want that. And I think you're seeing that type of market really get pushed forward when you start looking at things like the iPad Pro or the, the Microsoft Surface or the Pixel Slate and like all of these devices that are coming out that have these stylus type touchscreen interfaces um, that support more of a creative type. Um, and I think the two main drivers of this industry are the Surface and the iPad, um, and then followed probably closely by even smaller companies such as like Wacom, which are dedicated for artist tablets and for drawing on those types of displays. Um, but I think that's where tablets are right now. This kind of in this niche professional market where you don't need a full desktop solution, but you need something where you can edit on the fly or draw on the fly or be creative when you need to or replace your notebook with it or something like that. Because like we were talking about earlier, these phones gradually started getting larger and when they got larger tablets became irrelevant because the phone was only two or three inches smaller of a screen than the full size tablet that you had sitting in your drawer. So you didn't really need it. And so. let, let's not forget about the market er, uh, either that, that tablets go after. It's uh, people like my father who is, <laughs> who is 67 years old and he has uh, three devices that he uses besides the television. Mm -hmm. And it is his phone, his tablet and his desktop and his desktop. He plays uh, regular solitaire. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he's done with that, he picks up his phone and he plays spades. I believe with a computer. I don't think he's playing with other people. I think it's just a, him and three computer players playing a team card game digitally mm -hmm. <laughs> and then when he's done with that he picks up his ipad and plays uh free cell so it's we're forgetting about that very niche market of 65 plus people who just need more things to distract them because they're retired and bored yeah that's just people who want to that some and creatives gaming. on the go yeah. are the, the market for tablets mobile gaming and creativity and productivity i think are the two big things with that because especially with a lot of these tablets, you're now seeing keyboards that are also sold with it, kind of like with the Pixel Slate, the new iPad Pro, the Microsoft Surface, where it snaps into that keyboard and it has that like kind of the infinity angle kind of thing where the little it's like you can use the case to prop up the display like a laptop almost if you wanted to, or you can fold it all the way around and use it as a tablet or you can close it. And that's where it's at, I think. Just... Uh Someone who doesn't need a full laptop, but wants something that's pretty darn close. I, I just want to know when we're going to get the, um, this isn't even a joke, as, well, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but the, um, the, remember when all the rumors of the new iPhone, I believe at the time it was the iPhone 7, I might mm -hmm. be thinking of. And there was all kinds of rumors and all kinds of fake leaks of a potential hologram keyboard. Um I want that. I want it <laughs> so bad. It's to me, it's like, again, it's one step closer to Iron Man's, mm -hmm. uh, like just it's, it would be the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. There's some keyboard I think you can get on Amazon and we can look into it like after the show or something, but it, it does like project a keyboard onto your desk and you can like oh, when I you need tap it. it, like it's not accurate because it's only using light, but it's like That's pretty okay. close. I'm gonna I'm I'm buying it today. <laughs> okay. We'll see if we can find it. And uh 
if we can then except for when it's like 700 dollars, and i'm probably not gonna buy it i don't but... i don't think it's that expensive if i remember if, right if but... it's like 60 bucks i'm in dude we'll that's a video look. game 60 bucks <laughs> yeah 60 bucks. 60 bucks for holograms i'm in i'm put, i'm buying iron an iron man suit the next day and i'm gonna wear it <laughs> on the podcast and i'm only gonna talk by typing on my hologram keyboard easy there tony fisher <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah i i, I think that's uh, we'll, we'll look into that I, i'm definitely I, I i really think that there is one of those <laughs> there, um, shoot, i'm excited yeah. but I'm serious. I'll tweet it out too on the I4O thing for anybody else who wants to be Iron Man like Kyle. I've so. said this on air. I think I'm committed now. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I mean if I find it, I'll tweet it. So, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this, I, I would like to end this conversation with Samsung, but unfortunately we can't because the other too half, innovative dog yeah because the other they half everything <laughs> the half of samsung's design division that isn't folding is currently notching and <laughs> they have developed oh man you're so good at this not one i don't even try anymore they haven't i know it's perfect not one not two but three different notch designs with a potential fourth secret one, which isn't really a notch design, but we'll get into that later. Um, so for anybody who is using a Samsung Note or Galaxy phone this year that came out in 2019, you have the luxury of using the latest and greatest Samsung device that will not feature a notch in its future lineup. Um, so until they can perfect the secret option number four, you're going to get either the infinity u the infinity v or the infinity o notch on the device and each one is a strange yet interesting concept that i'm not sure why they need three separate ones um so the infinity o is the dumbest one well it doesn't make any sense but the infinity u uh, if you've seen an essential phone you know what the infinity u notch looks like it's a u on the top of the screen that's all it is the infinity v it looks like the um the u from the essential phone but instead of curving around the corner and a half circle it kind of does a little triangle tip at the end so it looks like a pencil tip or a marker tip or something like that it's weird um yeah i, I don't understand the, the o at all the infinity o is just dumb uh for people who yeah. are looking at the the stream currently the Infinity O is literally just a hole. It looks like someone just took a hole puncher and just stamped the display with a hole puncher and put a camera in there in that hole somewhere just kind of floating off to the left side of the display. Like it's in, it's fully in the display. So there's probably going to be screen all the way around that camera, but it's literally just a cutout for the camera somewhere in the display. And it's really dumb. Um, yeah, that sounds... Um... What's yeah. the word I'm looking for? Uh, stupid. Well, yeah, when Samsung, sounds really, really stupid. <laughs> when, when Samsung goes all in on design decisions, they really take it to a whole other level. <laughs> they just they roll it all out, baby. Yeah, they do not. This came up in that meeting earlier too about the. Yeah, it seems just like they they were just like they had this like random board meeting where they were like, "All ideas are good. We're gonna roll forward with every idea in the next twenty minutes." Just give me what you got. We're going to develop it. <laughs> a, new, 
a new guy was running the meetings and he was like i know how i'll get them i'll win them over yeah like, no well, bad ideas today yeah. guys let's we, go we're going right to the design team these are the participation awards of smartphone <laughs> notches and designs <laughs> it's what but, it is it's so uh, one know. thing i wanted to clarify though um it's because I didn't know for a long time um, that I made an assumption on on the iPhone and I was right. Uh, but the notch, I mean, the iPhone, it was obvious what it was, in my opinion, as a as a very casual tech uh, user. Mm-hmm. It's there for all the features that they added in to scan your face to unlock the phone. I mean, it, they needed to put that somewhere. They invaded some space on your screen uh, and everyone made fun of it but when they realized what it was for they're like oh okay it makes sense and the feature works really well and it's a good feature and people love it Mm -hmm. um what is the purpose of all these freaking notches man what is happening to the world that like everyone makes fun of apple until they do something that people like and then and then everyone else is like yeah let's do that too so like the the verge when they did their review of the iphone 10s uh they put it in the best way that i could ever have this described in any way and that's the the way that we were talking about earlier is that it's not so much whether the smartphone has a notch it's does the smartphone justify having the notch so and we, and we talked about this also i brought this up the same point i think a, a couple episodes ago um, but it's it's still worth bringing up because this is something that's showing up in literally every phone now. Now with Samsung joining in the mix, there is no option that doesn't have a notch for a for a new phone. Um, yeah, it, like you said, it comes down to is it mm-hmm. is it design or is it necessity? Is it design? Right. Is it feature? Is it look at us? We look just like the iPhone. Come buy us because we're cheaper. Or is it hey, guess what? Our camera is way better, and that's why we have crazy holes in the top right corner of our screen so apple you that's that's one thing they have all that technology and when you look at like the diagrams of all the sensors and the breakdowns of the phone it really is a like a feat of engineering that like what they have been able to pack into such a tiny piece of real estate on the top of the phone's display and they fully justify it because that is the entire way that you validate your phone and unlock it so that is justified as being there. And not only that, there needs to be a place for the front-facing camera as well to take selfies because we live in a selfie culture. And there needs to be a place on the front of that display. And when you look at some other lesser-known Android devices, um, you see some of them that just straight-up copy the iPhone's form factor because it's the iPhone's form factor and that's what's popular. So like you're saying, they don't justify having it. They justify the popularity of it by putting it into their phone so it's one of those things but then when you look at other companies such as lg um, oneplus essential and now samsung they realize that since they're probably going to retain the fingerprint sensor which is on the rear of the phone and not the front like where ios used to have their uh, their fingerprint scanner um, the, all they need is a camera just they just need that front-facing camera for selfies so they've been a lot of companies have been experimenting with where to put this what side of the phone to put it on what the cutout should be shaped like how the ui should behave around it samsung just happens to have four different designs or three different designs as to where they think it should go um and the essential the oneplus 6t 
uh, I believe LGs as well. Uh, the Pixel is not the best example because it has two cameras, so it needs a bigger notch. And now these designs literally is a circle just big enough for the camera. Um, and until we can get a technology that we can embed a front-facing camera under the display, I think we're going to keep seeing notches until that becomes more consumer-friendly. And that's kind of where Samsung's uh, fourth option comes in, which is the experimental new infinity display where they actually have a camera under the screen. So that will truly be bezel-less. The whole front of the phone will be edge to edge screen. That's the uh, ultimate goal. I'm thinking, and this is just theorizing without doing the research is that the way that that's going to have to work, at least for now, unless they've been hiding this tech from everybody and there's somehow no leaks is that when you enter a mode that needs to use the front-facing camera, is that that top part goes black and you see the image underneath it that's and probably, the camera's still there. That's probably what would happen. You'd see... That's my guess, is that that's you the way you'll... Like the strip blacking out, and then you'd be able to see the lens under it. And Yeah. Yeah. That's probably how that would work. Um, but, like, un until that happens, we really can only speculate. And I don't even think Samsung has gone into the details of that because they don't want anybody else beating them to market. Of course, them. yeah. And that, yeah. that makes sense. And it's it's a hope, and it's one of those things, like... I, again not to, to you know it's it's one step closer to tony stark like it's yeah it, i like it i like the idea behind it but mm -hmm. it's is the execution there is the commitment there or are they just going to ride with the things that they know already work yep. and it's and obviously i mean tech just like anything in news and anything in innovation it's a it's a wait and see game but yep. um i i think the more likely scenario before we get to tech with uh you know where, where the the camera's truly just behind the screen i think we're more likely to see people act like we forgot that it used to not be that way yeah. and that they're gonna be like oh psh, yo you don't like this weird cutout in your screen guess what we just took that whole top part and put cameras in his son <laughs> like that's and pretty much like, it, oh yeah. my god what that's crazy who would have yeah. thought of that mm -hmm. oh the original smartphone thought of it it's i don't i don't know how yeah we forgot that yeah <laughs> and it's, it's, that's more likely for them to try and rebrand it as just like either like you know iphones you make oh we're throwing it back to the classic days or samsung's gonna be like guess what we did guys yeah eight cameras in the front it's like what in the world yeah you're gonna see some I thought crazy we were getting ideas. bigger screens what happened yeah you're gonna see some crazy ideas before you see some normal ideas um there's a couple of phone manufacturers that have really interesting concepts that aren't samsung it's the, the one that I can think of is the Oppo Find X. Um, that phone actually has a mechanical camera on it. So whenever you turn on or open the camera application or activate the camera from like an app that requires taking a video, it actually raises the top of the phone up with a motor and oh, snap. Re reveals a hidden camera. So like the, whole, the whole top of the phone lifts up with a motor. And a lot of people are worried about that because that's just it, it kind of produces a risk because if like something gets into that motor or if the motor wears out or if something happens, you no longer have a camera. <laughs> so it's like a one of those like experimental designs that looks really cool when it works. But like you kind of have these fears as to like what what would happen if like sand got in that motor or something if you go to the beach or something. 
So like, I, people have been I've trying. I've never to solve had such a drastic change in emotions when it came to tech as I did just then. Yeah. <laughs> you said it raises up when it's a motor. It's like, and I was like, what? And then you were like, yeah. what if stuff gets in there? I was like, damn, you didn't even give me a second to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's one of those things where like some people are immediately skeptical, but like a lot of people are blown away because if you don't like take your phone to the beach or you put a case on it or you do something, the case may be another issue entirely also. Um, but like, if you don't like do that, then that could just be a perfectly good phone for you. And it would work perfectly. Cause when you think about it, motors don't fail that often. We've had a bit of time to perfect how motors work Yeah, a little bit. So, little bit. and motors get pretty small. There's motors like in pretty much every piece of tech that has moving parts. So we've, we've gotten pretty good at making motors, but there's still risks that come with that because it's another point of failure that wasn't on other smartphones. So that's true. And until someone like Samsung perfects that under the screen camera, then I think we're going to see these crazy experimental phones like the folding one or the infinity. O, where someone literally hole punched a screen with a camera <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's, I hope it happened by accident. That's really how it happened. Like someone dropped their phone yeah. as someone was hole punching. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, dude, that's a perfect size for a camera. I'm just, telling you. I think I've like joked about this camera, like that kind of a thing. <laughs> like I've, like I, I was like, what if they just like stuck a camera in the middle of the display and just like left it there in the dead center? Like it's perfect. I hope that that's how it ends up. Like it's right here. <laughs> just like there. It's just, just right in the middle. Right smack in the middle. The, the just display. right. Here, and it's just a giant hole in the middle of your screen. Yeah. I hope it's not tiny at all. I hope they're yeah. like, no, we need the bigger. We want the camera to be great. It's just a giant circle in the middle of your phone. And then the camera folds. The whole phone folds around. <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> It folds around and then a motor pushes the center out and it's a full-fledged Yeah, and then, and then a motor lifts out a flashlight that comes out. Yes. Yeah, so perfect. it's got the yes. best of all of these designs. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, just, if that happens, we have proof that the Samsung developers were hanging out with Joe Rogan and Elon Musk for sure. Yep, they were in the background. You just didn't see them there. Yeah, they were holding the cameras, putting stuff together for them. Yeah, um, but yeah, so I, I think that's something that we're just gonna have to wait and see where it goes from there um it's just this will come back up again on another episode yeah for sure and i'm pretty sure that we're gonna definitely it's it's gonna be easily the the highlight of the evening when they announce a phone with a camera that has a notch under the display that's something for oh yeah sure that's, that's gonna take the majority of our episode just because that's an emergency pod if that happens where we're just sure. like minds blowing full alert we need to do, drop everything we're doing and get in front of a microphone immediately type yeah. thing because that that's like that would probably be the next big step and the fact that it's just something as dumb as putting a camera under the screen being the next big thing in smartphones like is testament to how good smartphones that we already have are yeah, I mean, like you said earlier, it's this is the golden age of smartphones. You mm -hmm. can't make a bad choice right now. Yeah, and like out of the top guys, I'm sure there's some, like, I'm sure Asus's cousin probably isn't making something great. But yeah, like when I told when we were like helping Jeff pick his smartphone last year, we were basically like, do you want a good camera? Do you want a good this? Do you want a good that? What do you want here? Do you want it to be stable? But now it's just like, I mean, pick one. Like, do you want a good camera? Go for the Pixel. Do you want anything else? Pick your favorite. Like, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's essentially cameras. The only difference now. Yeah, 
it's if you want a good camera and then the only other thing i could see people complaining about is just the software experience and that's tailored mostly to just android phones and if you're looking if you're reading off a spec sheet most other phones are the same so it's it's amazing if you ask me personally just like where we are as as a society with technology like this so it's it's funny to think about my dad used to tell me all the time uh when the first smartphone was created whether he read this or it was actually proven somewhere but uh, they said that there was more technology in a smartphone than the uh the rocket that landed on the moon Mm -hmm. um and well i mean i don't know if that's true it very well could be no it is true and if that's true how much more tech has gone into them since then is mind-boggling. Right. The the one thing that always the one like tech stat that always like blows my mind whenever I hear about it is this, it's like a, this, a very similar metaphor to what you were just saying is that the the processor running in your graphing calculator is more powerful than the entire onboard computer for that spaceship. Jeez. <laughs> you know what that's got to I mean I'm not a conspiracy theory guy at all. If those things are true, that's got to mean that, that that thing was filmed in a basement somewhere, right? <laughs> like there's no way. Yeah. There's no way that we got there once with a piece of junk and never have gone back again. Like yeah. there's just no way. Just Prince Hello World in the basement. That's all the spaceship <laughs> it's did. Gotta be. That's got to be. There's no way that that our graphing calculator is more impressive than a rocket ship yeah. that landed successfully on the moon. More on that in my conspiracy theory podcast, Whom's Conspire. I, <laughs> side note, I'm not going to plug it here because we'll we'll talk about doing a do plugging each other later. But a friend of mine just started a conspiracy theory podcast. Oh, so. I potential collab, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, but yeah, so we're going for it. yeah, but um, but yeah, like it's where we are as a society, and like the whole reason why I love talking about technology is just like the chronicle of this incredible thing that has advanced our society far faster and far more probably faster than it should have if you look at the current state of our culture but um that's besides the point that's neither here nor there but it's just incredible as to like where we've come from as a society over the past however many decades just because of computers alone changing our lives so it's at the point where people can work from home all the time and yeah. they can do the same work that you do in the office as you do at home. So people can support families and be there at home for the things that happen in life that you need to be home for. So it, it gives you the ability to work for a company that's nowhere near you. Exactly. That, that, that fits your needs and you fit their needs. I mean, it's, it's amazing what we've been able to do it with, like you said, with computers at the center of our lives. I mean, like we host a podcast that's listened to people around the world. So it's something that like globalization is a thing. And like every time I take a look at those, the stats and information and like geographic distribution of like podcasting in general, like it's like, I just have to like, I'm in awe. Like whenever I take a look at it, it's, it's fascinating. And the fact that we're broadcasting live right now from bedrooms, <laughs> when you look at it that way, like it's something on a whole nother um, level of like where we've it, come. It's stuff that like if we didn't grow up in an era where technology expanded like this, if we grew up, I mean, hell, if, if I 
were to sit down and have a conversation with my dad about how amazing things are, how amazing the exchanging of information is today versus when he was a kid. It, it, it's, it, it's, we can't fathom how drastically different life was 40 years ago, mm-hmm. let alone a hundred years ago. Yeah. Like it, I told my son what a typewriter was and I thought he was going to kill over and die right there on the spot. <laughs> and that's a typewriter. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you like look at older technology, like rotary phones, pay phones, like I still remember pay phones outside of the, the like convenience stores around my parents' house. Like back when that was a thing. And then can, then pay phones became the weird thing that nobody ever used. And then they were eventually taken away because they were obsolete. Like yeah, essentially they're just like, the metal box is there still. The phone isn't even there anymore. In some cases, it. it's just like the rusted silhouette of the ph- the phone booth on the ground. You don't even see the f- you <laughs> yeah. don't even see it anymore. It's just where it was is just bolts that are pulled out of the concrete. That's that's all that it was. But like, it's like just where we've gone as a society. Do you remember phone booths? I've seen like one or two in my entire life. My sister went to Central High School, and there was a phone booth in the school. That's weird. Yeah, that's how they called their family during this. Like, instead of, like, running <laughs> to the office and asking if they had an emergency call to make. Yeah. When they were at lunch, they could just go make a phone call in the phone booth. That's crazy. Yeah, like, that's – and she's only eight years older than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no phone booths in my high school. <laughs> They're like, no, pull your cell phone out, loser. Yeah. We're not going to, like – Yeah, it's like you have people – like, you have a hard time getting people off the phone in like society whereas it was like a whole excursion to go and get on the phone in some yeah, other like way making like even a looking phone call like, was a big deal even looking at like in when you look at like 2001 a space odyssey when you see their interpretations of like how phones work the guy gets into this booth and he closes it and it's a video call like it's a whole experience it's not just like him like talking to his kid like sitting in a terminal it's just he like gets into this whole experience like just even the interpretation of it from like a cultural perspective is just like very different than where we are today. But it's, I mean, I can go on. This is why we do it. This is why we love it. Yeah. So like we could go on forever about it, but this is why we talk about it all the time because it's so incredible. And I feel so dumb for like having another topic follow this (laughs) because because that is all right. Yeah. Because it's just like such a, it wasn't it wasn't as good of a segue as I'd planned, but yeah, um, sorry, it was a nice way to, to no, let this, go that right was there. an awesome topic, and then it's like good to have that discussion and just like take a step back and just like realize where we where we are. It um, was such a good way to end the podcast. So here's twenty more minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Don't quote if you're listening for the first time. I don't know if it's going to be another twenty minutes. So yeah, that's why we do it live. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so. I do want to just kind of we we can talk about this a little bit more briefly. I don't think it has to be like a, a big thing. Um, it's just uh, Disney's new streaming service. I think we talked about this briefly uh, like months ago when they announced that they were going to do this first. Um, but we never heard anything from now until then. So now we know a lot about it. So uh, their new Netflix rival is going to be called Disney Plus. And it's going to launch in late 2019. So um, with this, they're going to be pulling Marvel and Star Wars movies from Netflix and hosting them here. Makes sense. 
I wonder if, a lot of sense. I wonder if they'll offer a sports package with ESPN. Ooh. Oh, and you know what? It's called Disney Plus, too, isn't it? It is. ESPN's recent uh, paid feature is called ESPN Plus. Really? Yeah. Okay. Maybe there's a little bit of a package deal or a merger or something, because I would pay for that for sure. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, if they if they can offer that in some competitive way that undercuts a lot of these other services, because when you look at things like some of ESPN's services, as well as um, just Marvel and uh, just Disney's offerings, like if you if you look at Netflix and then pull everything that Disney makes out of there, like you lose a lot of content. Yeah. You like lose a good amount, like more than you realize. Yeah. And then because I think, you kind of forget how much Disney owns now. Yeah. And I think that like one of the, the bigger things that not many people would immediately think of is that not only do you lose these massive like blockbuster grade films, but you also lose a huge swath of kids films. And oh like yeah, kids, High School Musical. I and mean, like kids shows. Like. Yeah, I mean, my son watches Disney XD like they're paying him to do it. Mm-hmm. All that stuff, boom, off of Netflix tomorrow. Like, yep. I mean, not literally tomorrow, but you lose things like, like Toy Story, like Moana. Like you lose Moana, so good. Everything is is that's Pixar, right? Would that be considered? Would that be pulled with Disney? I would assume you would think probably. so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the high school musical franchise, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, Pixar's Monsters, Inc., uh, movies like a Christmas movie from called like Noel, Togo. And, like, and this far out, they're already building the hype of like known franchises. They're already talking about a Scarlet Witch TV show that they're going to do. They're talking about a Loki TV show that they're going to do. They're already doing a prequel TV show to Rogue One, talking about the main character's life before the movie. It's yeah. You're taking these blockbuster international AAA franchises and you're making them continuous. It, you're basically making it a continuous life cycle. It's you. They can turn the Marvel Cinematic Universe into a never-ending universe Mm -hmm. they can continue it as long as they want they can go back and reference it as long as they want um i mean they could they could always have done that but now that now they have their own platform and that's the only place you can get it it's a guaranteed seller it's a guaranteed money maker for them and we've seen how disney has taken a stance on other films Mm -hmm. and things that have been distributed on the platform that disney associates with and having the control of what gets put onto the and not only on to, but bundled with their existing offerings, I think is just another way for Disney to kind of increase its foothold as like the de facto owner of like, I, I want to say like just G rated entertainment, essentially just like anything kid friendly, anything that a parent can feel safe to let their kid just have full reign of. Like, because I feel like, yeah, I mean, most... I'm not going to lie. Like putting Netflix on, yeah, there's a kid's option. And I tell my son to choose that one. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, he does, but he could easily just go to the other one and watch whatever he wants. And there's a lot of things that an 11 year old shouldn't be watching on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And he easily has access to all of that if he wants it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And but it's- if I change the password on that and I give him access to the Disney streaming thing, I have no problem about what he's going to see or experience the entire time that he has access to something like that. And I think that's going to be the killer feature for this because a lot of parents are going to want to do just that. A lot of parents tend to use services like this to provide just entertain, like passive entertainment for kids. Yeah, I I have to get stuff done around the house. Boom. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah. Talking about whether that's a positive or negative is a whole different thing entirely, but that's huge. Yeah, it's huge as a parent and as a Disney fan, it's just huge in general because it opens up the door for them to uh, step outside their comfort zone to Mm -hmm. try things that they normally wouldn't try. Like I guarantee that they would not try and come up with a television deal for a show about Loki, but now they can make it and put it on. And put it on their own streaming service. Yeah. And they have all these massive anchor shows like Rogue One and all of Marvel's offerings to ensure that there still is some wiggle room to experiment with these other extra, like extracurricular movies and like franchises and series and TV shows and things like that. And I don't want to to take away from the fact that they are Disney has proven that they're willing to step a little beyond they normally are because you're going to see things like Punisher Daredevil come over right away I would assume you're going to see things like Luke Cage maybe they tone it down a bit to match the rest of of their offerings on there but you're going to see things like that right away I would assume yeah I'd imagine there there needs to be a draw for all ages Um, yeah and and it's one step closer to drawing people away from cable mm -hmm. it's it's people are already cutting the cord at a record rate people are running away from cable and droves and this is another reason for you to commit to that i mean you're even seeing companies that normally were like hey we already offer them cable and internet let's try and get them on the phone too let's try and get that triple play or whatever you want to call like the like the the the, let's try and get all three to now they're just like yo you just want our internet great like we're just going to make it expensive (laughs) like because we know that you're not buying the other two anymore yeah it's People like Netflix have started and Netflix and Hulu and all these guys have started the trend of running away from the norm. And people are cutting the cord and following them in droves. Exactly. And when you have a major player, Netflix started as nothing and built its way up. Hulu started here and built its way up. And you are taking a monster, the leader in the industry and they get to run away and do their own thing. Disney as well. and is it's, arguably the biggest entertainment franchise. I don't see how they aren't. It's yeah. they own everything. Yeah, when you like, I encourage anybody. You think of. I encourage anybody to go look at the list of companies that that Disney owns, and it's staggering how many companies they own. They even own like news organizations and things like that as well. It's it is a huge list and i'm 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 also really excited to see not only like it's it's, it'll be upsetting to watch disney absolutely gut netflix for all of its like anchor shows that are some of the more popular in their kids section as well as some of the adult movies like star wars and marvel movies and things like that um but I am looking forward to the sheer amount of innovation that other streaming services are going to need to step up to in order to compete with this monster company that's oh, yeah. coming in. And I'm I'm excited to see like what Netflix does because some of these companies are really going to have to flex their R&D money in order to stay Oh, I was going to say you don't you don't think Netflix is planning right now? Yeah. They're- 
they're not they're not dummies, man. They know it's coming and they they're ready to play with the big boys. It's gonna be fun. It's yeah. gonna be fun. It's gonna be exciting if you're a tech fan. It's gonna be exciting if you're an entertainment fan. It's it's. I just hope the that more variety that there is, the more changes that happen, the more it makes other people have to react to survive. This and is why competition's a good thing. Yes, exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. It's beautiful. I'm so excited for it. I just hope that the ISPs don't just like knee jerk stupid decision something and like ruin it for everybody. Like, ah, uh, yeah. I just hope that that doesn't happen. Like you see, Comcast roll out their own streaming service and try to do their own thing. Like that might happen, but. I just like really hope that someone doesn't just like make a deal with one and throttle another one and do all kinds yeah, of stuff like that. Like, of course there's the, the 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 threat of that and it's I mean hell you could yeah. see hey I bought Verizon internet and they are going to throttle everything that isn't the Verizon the new Verizon streaming service that just came out. You know, it could be something yeah. like that. Obviously you have to worry about that, but let's freak out about that when it happens, man. Yep, I'm just I'll excited about it. this. This <laughs> Disney John son. Yes. <laughs> I'm excited to see that. Um, but yeah, um, I really think that's all we can talk about with that. I don't know what else. What yeah. I, I don't have time for more than this. Yeah. I'm going to get the Disney thing. I watch Netflix and Disney and an occasional HBO show. And wrestling. I have my four streaming services. I don't need anything else for the rest of my life. And yet I'm excited for whatever number five is going to be. <laughs> like yep, it's, yeah. Whatever the next thing is, I'm going to get that too because it's all great. Yeah. Disney Plus is looking to be a very interesting and competitive service. And like I'm saying, like once they got Netflix for everything popular that they have, then we'll begin to see a really interesting market takeoff with streaming services and a really interesting push for any kind of innovation in this industry. And it's, a, it's something that I think Netflix is, they've enjoyed a period of dominance and being the top dog in streaming. But I think it's about time that somebody else kind of gave them a run for their money and forced oh, yeah. them to, to prove that they are the number one or they fall under Disney like everybody my, else does. My favorite thing that I'm going to do once I sign up for the service is I'm going to browse and I can't wait to see how many things I see on the Disney service. And I'm like, Disney owns that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I just can't wait to be like, that's Disney. Damn. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and for those of you in chat who are like just catching up with what we're talking about, it's Disney's new streaming service, which is going to be rolled out in 2019. Just some news around that. That's just what, um, what the topic is for, uh, for this particular segment of the show but um unfortunately this is the last segment of the show um but yeah it's it's definitely something that i'm gonna look forward to watching very closely and i'm pretty sure we'll be reporting on this again as we hear more about um some of the more nitty gritty details like the pricing the maybe tiered plans um stuff get like excited that. people yep. get excited it's the first of many oh yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, so with that, I think that brings us to pretty much the end of this episode. Um, like I said, I just wanted to just say thank you again to those of you who have put up with our irregular streaming, uh, schedule. Um, 
And for anybody who wants to follow up more on what we have talked about today, there will be a podcast published live and the show notes will also be available with all the articles mentioned and showed on this on the stream. Uh, more to follow on that in a few seconds. But I do want to just say thank you to everybody who has been sticking with us for as long as they have, despite these crazy schedules and all of us adulting at different times and um, having to push certain streams and um, for anybody looking for a more accurate place to reach out to us and to hear the latest as to when we're going to be actually broadcasting, I encourage you to check out that account right there. If you're watching the stream, which is our Twitter account, if you're listening, that is at industry four O all spelled out. Um, you can check us out at Facebook and Instagram at the exact same username. Um, it's just kind of keeps us, as, as our, has all of our links where you can find us, just some information about us in general. And we do occasionally post. Uh, sometimes I'll tweet out information that I find interesting throughout the week. Um, and it's, it's a good conversation sometimes. So I, I encourage anybody to go give us a follow over there and keep up with us. And we like hearing from you guys. Yeah, and definitely suggest things that you want to hear us talk about that you think that we might be passionate about or that you're passionate about. And we can learn a little something from you and then get excited about it too. Yep. Yeah. And if you can't catch us live, we usually broadcast live on Sunday mornings, um, usually around 10-ish in the morning. Uh, we've been a little bit regular lately. It's been more pushed into the, the evenings during the week, uh, depending on availability um over this past few weeks um just with everything being busy but um if you do not happen if you miss one of our live streams and you want to listen to the conversation after the fact um you can catch up with us literally anywhere you can download a podcast that is google Podcasts, spotify um itunes apple podcast basically anywhere you can find a podcast you can listen to us live so, um, and we have a full collection of show notes with, as well, detailing out all the topics that we talk about as well as clever titles, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so if you like what you heard, um, feel free to drop us a review at bit.ly slash I4O review and, uh, just let us know what you think of the show. And if you think we can improve on anything, we love hearing about that too. It helps give us a better show to you guys. And let us know how beautiful our beards are for that's sure. It. That's it. Self We're very sensitive about that. Self-validation is the key to a happy lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so if you want to check us out at home also, we have uh, our home base is industry 40 all spelled out dot podbean dot com. Um, but yeah, with that being said, uh, this has been episode 74 and we will see you guys in the next one. Thank you.